You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. It is Tuesday, January the 25th, coming to you a little bit later today. We're going out 2.30 GMT to coincide with the release of the world's best racehorse, according to the International Federation of Horse Racing Authorities, in their ceremony that's being conducted as we speak in Newmarket in conjunction with Longines. Lee Motta said the senior writer from the Racing Post is with me today. And Lee, according to the International Federation of Horse Racing Authorities and their handicappers' agglomerated ratings, the world's best racehorse is, drumroll please, America's Knicks Go. Not necessarily, I don't think, a huge surprise. He has been allocated a rating, a ranking of 129. Not enormous by any means compared to to previous years, but it was more than good enough to top the table in 2021. We have a three-way tie for second. Three horses who the handicappers had really struggled to split all through the summer and autumn. Adayar, winner of the the Derby and the, the King George. Mishrif, who of course at his best has been so magnificent on different surfaces. And some Marks Basilica, who rattled up a series of big wins in Europe through 2021. They're all ranked on 127. So Knicks go 129. Adiar Mishif says Marks Basilica on 127. Then we have Control from Japan on 126. And then Bayid, Golden 60 from Hong Kong, Palace Pier, and the Arc winner Toquato Tasso on 125. Nick, they are your top 10 horses from 2021. Top 10, according to the International Federation of Horse Racing Authorities, based on ratings given by handicappers across the world who then convene at a conference towards the end of the year and nudge horses up and down accordingly um, to try and bring forward some sort of consensus. This, of course, is very different from our rankings, the Thoroughbred Racing Commentary rankings, which we give you every Friday. And I'll be very interested to see how James contrasts his list with, with this list uh, based on on the algorithms that, that TRC and he use. I mean, the key points of difference are that uh, ADAR is rated very highly based on his performances in the, in the Derby and the King George, whereas our rankings have got him slipping way out of the top 10 based on, on what he subsequently achieved. But that, of course, Lee, is always the sort of crux of the debate when you're talking about relativizing the merits of racehorses. It is, yeah. I mean, it's it's that it's that a question of do you assess a horse on that horse's PB performance or the 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 performances as a whole? Um, I think Nick, what we what we'll see with with these rankings is that across, I think all uh, rating suppliers, if you like, whether that's what 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 you guys are doing, James is doing, what the the, the IFHA are doing, what Racing Post is doing, what Timeform is doing, I think there's probably consensus that Nick's go deserves to top the table in 2021 it's it's as you say it's those horses further down um who i think there'll be more debate over um i think it's actually it's a, it's a good sign or it's certainly a a helpful uh sign that in the first year in which we had a breeders cup completely free of lasix 
I think it's heartening that the the world champion racehorse of 2021 was a Breeders' Cup winner. Of course, Nick's Go was was so fabulous uh, in Del Mar in the Classic. That I think was a performance that that really stood out this year. I think what's interesting too is if you look further down the rankings, there aren't actually that many top American horses in the highest positions. I think he really did dominate in in 2021. Elsewhere, it's pretty much a European dominated season. And that leads on to the fact that the world's best race, according to these rankings in 2021, was, as it so often is, the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that will be a, a bone of contention when we discuss this on, on Friday, um, because the handicappers couldn't really demur from their their own point of view that that this was a vintage Arc de Triomphe going in coming out they they were reluctant to say well we might have just overrated these horses they've gone with the line that Torquato Tasso has beaten these horses on the square and that they were very very good horses going going into the race and accordingly his rating is quite high yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they've really worked through the horses chasing him across the line to Nawa, Hurricane Lane, and Adiage. So those are horses, uh, some of whom didn't necessarily all produce their their, their very best form uh, in the autumn, but they have propped up to Quarto Tasso, a horse who I think with the best one in the world, a lot of people as he crossed the line in front in the Arc de Triomphe were looking down at their race cards to remind themselves who Tequato Tasso was. He certainly wasn't one of the headline grabbing horse going into the race. He was a completely deserving winner um, of the race, but he, he was a surprise victor of the Arc. But as it is so often the case, Nick, the, the Arc does lead the way. Um, it had a um, a race rating of 124.75 based on those first four horses crossing the line. That put the race in front of the, the Breeders' Cup Classic on 124.5. The King George at Ascot was next on 123.5. And then you had races like the Tenno Show in Japan, the Kentucky Derby, and the Champion Stakes, etc. Um, but the, the arc is so often number one in these rankings. Uh, that is the case again. And you can guarantee, and quite rightly so, France Gallo will be jubilant at the outcome. I think once again, I think one of the questions that will be asked is, are jurisdictions in the east being given enough credit i'm talking specifically about japan uh, given how well that tenno show worked out and also australia i think there's a there's a view isn't there that australian middle distance horses just aren't really worth their salt but it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next few years particularly given how financially commercially robust they are i think you can certainly argue that looking at global results japan deserves to be given more credit. And in terms of Australia, um, I did think myself that I thought Very Elegant um, would potentially squeeze into the into the top 10. Um, I thought her performance in winning the, the Melbourne Cup this year, defeating Incentivise by Forlands, who'd produce a huge weight carrying performance in the Caulfield Cup beforehand, um, and given her versatility as well, I, I thought I think she is was one of the world's best racehorses in 2021. And in an ideal world, I would have loved to have seen her in the top ten. And talking of ratings, uh, the ratings have been released for the uh, Clarence House Chase over the weekend. Uh, where does that leave Shishkin in the pantheon of the great two mile chasers, Lee? It leaves Shishkin very very close to the top. Sprinter Sakranik, of course, has clear water between himself and the rest. But the rest pretty much are, to an extent, Nicky Henderson trained horses these days. Altior 
of course, was the horse who led the way ratings-wise before Shishkin came along. Shishkin is very much an Altior-esque racehorse, and on BHA figures, he has now usurped Altior. Altior had a PB on BHA ratings of 175, and Shishkin ran to 177, according to the BHA, in overhauling an Ergamen in that final furlong of the enthralling Clarence House chase on Saturday. So BHA handicappers believe now that Shishkin is superior to Altior at his best. Not everyone does that. Racing Post ratings, for example, we gave uh, Shishkin a figure of 181 plus, uh, equivalent to a time form P on Saturday. We also had Altior though running to 183 when he beat Min by seven lengths in the 2018 champion chase. So some reckon he's now superior to Altior. Something he's just below Altior. Everyone agrees he's outstanding and with the potential to be even better. Okay, who wins the rematch at Cheltenham for you? I think Shishkin will. Um, I thought Shishkin won on Saturday without being absolutely at his very best. And Ergamen jumped better than Shishkin did. Um, Shishkin had that peck down the far side, but actually had a lot of his fences. He wasn't as sharp um, or as as lethal over his jumps as an Ergamen was. I think Shishkin can be better than we saw on Saturday. That said... I think Energumen will be helped by the fact that the champion chase won't be as great a stamina test. And I think the track could well enable Paul Townend to get Shishkin and Nico de Bonville in trouble running down the hill. And then it's down to what Shishkin finds up the hill over those final two fences. But I think what we saw on Saturday is that Shishkin's finishing power is exceptional. And I think if he can get into overdrive from the final fence again I think he'll overhaul an Ergamen but really can't wait what what a rematch that's going to be one trainer in red hot form in Great Britain at the moment is jumps trainer Harry Fry with five winners in the last fortnight but from just a handful of runners a strike rate of over 30 percent I think his horses received awards last week for ride of the week on Phoenix Way Kevin Brogan at at Ascot little doubt about that I think comeback of the week maybe Metier at Lingfield, really showing what he could do. Perhaps even Mayor of the Week with Love Envoy in the Winter Million Mayor's Race at Lingfield. All in all, it's been a very profitable time of things and some interesting runners this weekend, potentially including Dubrovnik Harry, who's got an entry in the Ballymore trial at Cheltenham. Of, of all those results that I, I mentioned, which one which one pleased you the most uh, over the weekend and, and the last week or so? Well, I think probably Metier because... Um... Obviously, he he was a good Grade One winner last year uh, when when impressing in the Tolworth, and I mean it just shows how quick I mean <laughs> that people are to to write horses off because I mean he's actually now four won four of his hurdle start for, out of seven, including a Tolworth and a hundred grand handicap. So I mean it, it's not a bad record, and but one bad run in the Supreme, the first run back at Sound Only Forget. And then he ran a very good race at Ascot and where he went off at 33 to 1 and he was staying on fourth. And so just to almost silence the doubters really and just prove that, yeah, we, we have got a good horse. He hasn't gone anywhere. Um, conditions were there to suit. And if we can um, find find similar sort of ground uh, at some point during the remainder of the season, if it ever rains again, then um, there's no reason why he can't be uh, still be competitive in, in some very good races. So would you entertain the idea of the spring festivals as long as the ground was soft? Is that the key? You just put all the entries in and then wait on the weather? 
Absolutely, that he'll be. There'll be plenty of. Uh, we'll give him lots of options. Um, he's obviously in the bet fair. He has a five pound penalty. Um, you've got the more battle up at Kelso. You've got the Imperial Cup. You'll have county coral entries, and we're just yeah, we'll we'll be guided by uh, ground conditions and, and what the weather does. I mentioned Love Envoy, the the mayor who won the the novice hurdle at Lingfield. How far off the better novice hurdlers do you think she is? Because that form for a mayor's race looks pretty strong. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I've been underplaying her all, all season. Um, so, uh, <laughs> if uh, yeah, we weren't weren't expecting um, fireworks, put it that way. So, uh, from from what she was showing at home, and that that's sometimes the case. Um, and uh, so, to be three from three and and drop back in trip at Lingfield and and uh, beat some highly regarded mares um, was was exciting and so yeah i mean well we just don't know at this stage she's done nothing wrong um she keeps going out there and and winning her races so i mean we, she's entitled to step up in grade and and that's the plan um with a trip to Sandown in in february for the jane seymour grade two novice mayor's novices hurdle and uh we'll see where she takes us but at the moment um she she's well certainly amongst the mayors she's uh rates up right up there uh with them definitely how much admiration did you have for Kevin Brogan's ride on Phoenix Way, who's not the most straightforward horse in the world? No, really. I mean, it, it was just an ice cool ride, and, and we um, obviously the horse had run a really good race there uh, previously, over three miles, possibly just getting outstayed. And I just said to Kevin, just get him settled and just creep, creep, creep. And um, well, <laughs> he, he was, uh, yeah. I mean, All right, uh, be be honest, be honest. What were you thinking two out? Were you thinking, oh my God, he's left this well, too much sure. to do? Uh, yeah, I just thought, oh Christ, as, as the as the runner-up, has that got away? Because, yeah, I mean, obviously that had a, a lot of weight and we were in receipt of, 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 of um, yeah, well, over a stone. So, um, and you're, you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, fair play, it's, it's sort of gone, it's made, it's, and, and almost it's the, well, it, is, it was the class horse of the race and, you think, Christ, well, if we don't quite catch it, we're well, still a good run, but are we, are we? And then he came up at the last and you just thought, yeah, it was, um, but it was just, when it comes off like that, it's just uh, poetry in motion, isn't it? You, you've got a horse entered this weekend called Dubrovnik Harry in the in the uh, uh, Ballymore Novices Hurdle at Cheltenham. Now, he's third favourite at the moment. Is he going to run? Uh, well, that's a discussion um, that I, I've got to have with his owner. Um, I mean, he obviously stepped up on his debut to win impressively at Exeter on New Year's Day and that's a race uh, that, that we've won before and then gone on to this very race with King Rowland a, f- a couple of seasons ago who, who finished runner-up um, I just he, he just hasn't got that much experience um, he's only had the two starts and I mean he is he is a chaser in the making as well as we hope a lot of these young horses are but um it's a discussion that uh, yeah I'll be having and um, with his owner probably tomorrow uh, prior to declarations on Thursday and, and weighing up um, whether we we dive in the deep end um, on Saturday uh, or we yeah just take it slightly smaller steps. Okay, is it ground dependent? I think that will definitely come into the equation. Um, I mean, he, he won it on heavy at Exeter, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a dry forecast. So, yeah, that's certainly that's going to have a bearing, definitely. Uh, and one in the mayor's bumper? Uh, 
yes, Perry Jem, who um, got up uh, late to win on her, her debut at uh, Plumpton, and this is obviously the rescheduled race from um, Market Raisin. And look, we don't, I mean, she she's won on her start, only start, and we just feel, well, we, we don't know what we've got on our hands, but we might as well have, uh, particularly with the mayor, have a go at a, a black type race um, without a penalty. Trainer Harry Fry there in, in red-hot form and looking forward to Trials Day this weekend. Similar comments, of course, could apply to Nicky Henderson, the trainer of Shishkin. And it looks as though his two J.P. McManus own stars, Lee Champ and Chantry House, will be the headline acts, Stairs Hurdle and Gold Cup hopes, respectively, on Trials Day. And we have to get going and, and look forward to this and not allow the hangover of last week's end party to dampen our enthusiasm. Yeah, it's quite difficult though, isn't it, Nick, to try and maintain the pace uh, that was set at Ascot last Saturday. I don't think really it's looking like a vintage festival trials day. But having said that, it's going to be a day that won't be staged on the the sometimes appallingly grueling ground that that day can get at the end of January. Um, the Cotswold Chase and the Cleve Hurdle, as you say, both dominated in the betting by Nicky Henderson train horses, both horses owned by by J.P. McManus, Chantry House, who ran so disappointingly in the King George, ran no sort of race in the King George. Nick Henderson is blaming that purely on Kempton, on the fact that he doesn't think now the horse enjoyed racing around Kempton. He believes the horse can bounce back. To beat, to to do that, he'll have to beat a, a field that's maybe not a vintage Cotswold chase field, but includes the likes of, of I Wright um, and the Hoy Senor, Lucinda Rissell's um, exciting novice who's been entered in that race, although it could go to, to Weatherby in February. And then we have the Cleave Hurdle. Only seven horses entered in the Cleave Hurdle, Nick, including the, the former staying star Paisley Park um, and another previous winner of the Stayers Hurdle, Liz Nagar Oscar. But Champ is the one who really will get all the headlines going into it. He won the long walk hurdle on his seasonal reappearance. And the fact he's going for the Cleave Hurdle is a very strong guide that the Stayers Hurdle is his Cheltenham Festival target. Well, it is Tuesday, which means we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's. And today we head to Normandy, to one of the most prominent national hunt farms in France, Ara de la Etre. The farm is a huge supporter of the Weatherby's National Hunt Stallion book and also the go-to online resource for jumps breeders, nhstallions.co.uk, which carries this year, 2022, no fewer than six stallions based at Etre. Uh, fresh from entertaining clients on the Route des Etalons. Very pleased to be joined by Etre's founder and director, Pascal Nou. Uh, and Pascal, we'll talk stallions in a moment, particularly your, your great hero, Capguard, and some of the new boys. But first of all, just tell me a little bit about why you, you based yourself where you did and, and what led to you converting uh, an old dairy farm, an old cattle farm, back in, in 2008. Uh, I, I was looking for, for a place to, to, to breed and to stand my stallions. Uh, I, I was lucky because I started uh, eight years ago with the Cap Guard and after that Great Pretender, etc. And so I, I had all the stallions, I had the clients, I had the, the mares, and, but I had no, no place to, to breed. I, I want some new lands, I want uh, new farms and I want the special buildings to, to, to manage everything uh, very easy. Uh, we, are, we are located near Aradetram. We are just near between Bayeux and Saint-Lô, so it's not in the in the heart of the of the activity uh, between Argentan and uh, and Deauville. We are a little bit uh, away from this. Uh, Pascal, your flagship stallion now for so many years, as you as you hinted at, has been Capguard. He's 
23 years old now, and he's the sire of Aplutar and Clan des Oboe and Fakir Duderi and so many more. Just tell me what he's meant to you. It is uh, the, it's the stallion of a life. It's a horse of my life. I work for Mrs. Toro in Aran-Mortre, who, who was the breeder of Capgard. And uh, he, he went in training with Macaire and came back uh, and came back at third with Mrs. Toro and me in uh, in Mortre. I said the, the most <laughs> sorry. It's a little bit uh, um, for me. It's uh, it's uh, it's very important in my life. In f- first of all, secondly, yes, he is um, he's one of the main stallions I think in uh, in Europe. Is the the, the French uh, stallion who had the, the best uh, ranking in the, in the in Europe for, for jumpers, it's a little bit difficult to to resume uh, Capgard in just uh, in just few words. Uh, and it's uh, yes, as you say, Capgard is an old friend. It's eighteen years now. And and how is he doing? Is he is he still as as lively as ever? Yeah, he's okay. He's doing well. He's like an old man, <laughs> like me every morning. Uh, but he's uh, he's uh, he's doing well. Last year we planned to cover seventy mares. Uh, finally, covered 82. We selected the mares from uh, for for, the, for their fertility, and, and everything goes uh, goes well. Uh, we know we know that uh, one day it will stop, and that it, and uh, this is the the life that we are all on the same uh, all on the same way. What do you think his secret is? What makes him such a good stallion? First of all, I think he is doing horses that you can train. Uh, uh, they, are, they are great movers. They, they have a special mind. They have something like old horses. You know, you, you can train them. You can work with them. They are, they are, not, uh, they are not every morning uh, having something wrong. Uh, you, can't, you cannot train. You cannot race. You cannot race, etc. Et he's, uh, he's doing good horses. And, and so when you, when you give good horses, you give great horses. Because we can train them, we can work with them, and it's very important. That sometimes they are a little bit stupid, we, we can say that. Uh, but with people who are understanding them, uh, all the things are going uh, good. And I think it is, this is the main thing. I remember David Powell, at the early beginning, said to me uh, when he saw the, the first yearlings and first two years old, he said. They have something special. They work. They move very well. They have some fluid every in in every uh, uh, some oil in every uh, bone, etc. And everything. They are really easy to 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 work with. Pascal, I was interested in another one of your great old stages, Great Pretender, the sire of Grenatine and Benny de Dieu and many other fantastic horses. He's a horse who spent a couple of seasons at Yorton in England before going back to to you, and he's been elsewhere. In France, uh, Malinas is a horse that's gone from you to England to Ireland. What what's the thinking behind the moving of, of these stallions where where necessary? So so the, so the horses you, you you gave me the the name you gave me are all uh, performers uh, obviously. So it, it's not very well considered in France. So I, I I tried to to send him to several places to 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 manage him uh, as I can. And um, after all, he's also twenty three. And at the end, I'm not sure I was the best manager for this boy. I'm sure the best the best way was to to keep him at home. Sorry for for the others, but I, I think I think when you travel horses like this, it's not so easy to manage. And and the, the results are blooming everywhere, but not in the same place, in all concentrated. And 
having all the lights on. And, and really, it's all about finding the next stallion and, and the next future star. You've already had success with Bathyron, who's had a, a grade one winner himself. Uh, you've got a, a number of young horses that, that you're standing now, Roman Candle and Nirvana du Berlay and Fafan and Gris de Gris. Who do you have the, the biggest aspirations for? Who do you think could be the next cap guard or, or great pretender? Bathyron have good uh, statistics, really good statistics. Uh, for the moment, is the it's the beginning. He was the top sire in, with his first production in France. He was the top sire with his second production in France. Uh, he's already uh, almost fully booked, uh, so he, he's very popular, and uh, I think he can be the the, the next one. Uh, Nirvana du Berlay is very impressive with his first balls last year. Very very. Uh, he covered 125 meters the first covering season and 131 the, the second season. And, and after that, I use every year to, to, to have one or two new stallions and to, to make the selection like this and to try to find the, 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 the new cap guard. Uh, Roman Candle is very interesting because in France, we are looking for more speed, actually. Uh, we have, we have uh, jumpers at stud. And now they are looking for more uh, for more speed. Uh, we have Born to See this year, a very interesting addition. And uh, we have also something like Porfman, which is uh, very interesting. He's a great one winner. Uh, he was third in the Canvas Terrestre, with the, the, the main race in France for three years old. And that's it. We, we, we have good prospects. <laughs> you, 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 ha- you have excellent prospects by the sound of it, uh, Pascal. And thanks so much for talking to me. All the very best. Uh, sorry for my English. <laughs> Pascal knew there from Aradela Etre, and absolutely no apology required. Well, continuing our look ahead to the Pegasus World Cup at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. And rightly enough, the race is billed as a match between Nick's Go and Life is Good, the two Breeders' Cup winners. But if you're not there, you can't win the race. And that's certainly the mantra of Justin Nicholson, who you'll know for his AJ suited racing stable. They've raced internationally, principally in America, but also with success in Europe. And Justin is one of the game's more innovative thinkers, one of the brains behind the Equestricon gathering for, for those couple of years and joins me on the line now. Uh, Justin, you're always someone who, who fancies a, a roll of the dice. This is a, this is a big role with Commandeer. Just tell us, tell us why. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a few factors together. I mean, obviously we know that, as you mentioned, there's, there's two very good horses in there. And, uh, you know, I think we're, I think we're all aware that, that, that entering this race, we've got a lot of work to do for the for the top two, but obviously they, uh, with a $3 million pot and paying down beyond two, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to rule it out if you can't win. Um, but we're, uh, you know, we're stable there, so we don't have to, don't have to ship or anything like that. And if we think we have a, you know, an improving horse who was already training to run exactly this weekend in a, in a different stake. So it's kind of, it's kind of worked out timing wise. And, uh, you know, and uh, unlike the, the beginnings of this race, we don't have to put up a million bucks to run. So that helps too. Exactly that. I mean, he's bred to be a good horse. He started off life with Godolphin. What did you see in him that made you think, hmm, we could have some fun here? I, I mean, I think it's the, the, the nice thing about that phasing sale. They get horses of all kinds. This was the one in, in July. And uh, we actually bought two, and both were, were three-year-olds who, you know, had shown decent success at kind of the maiden allowance level. Um, this one, you know, he commandeer had, had broken his maiden. He'd run a couple of decent allowance races and, you know, we just, we, we, we went and looked for those types and, uh, you know, he checked, he checked the boxes for us physically and pedigree wise and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think it's just about whether a horse clicks with your program, and, 
we've been lucky that uh, he seems to be seems to be clicking with us and Jim. Now, I I like the origins of this story, which was that you know you tweeted earlier in the week that you you'd shown significant enterprise before with a a big priced horse in a, a high profile race. Just take us all the way back to to two thousand and one. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a you know a right place, right time angle. Um, you know we uh, we had a homebred called Blazing Fury in New York back in '01, and uh, you know I was in high school, but I was obviously <laughs> felt felt very involved in all of it. And uh, my dad on the horse was Beaver Kimmel, and um, and Jim Toner was training then as, as he does now. And uh, you know they the the, the the Breeders' Cup was at home at Belmont, and we got invited. We were you know fifty to one, but again we had an improving three year old facing older. And uh, you know, this time he just turned four-year-old, and uh, you know he ran he ran his race. Then he was he was kind of a one-run kind of horse, and he made a big move and finished fourth. You know, behind Fantastic Light and a couple other very nice horses. And obviously, you know, it's a it's a, it's a great memory, and a, and it was a special day, and um, you know, absolutely zero regrets. And admittedly, that day we had to put up you know thirty or forty thousand to run. I think it was. And, you know, we we just we were very gung ho to, to to enjoy it, and and that's what we did, and it worked out great. And you're someone who who's been following the game so closely for so long as a as a fan, a punter, an owner, a breeder. You've, you've done just about everything, and you like to innovate. As I was saying, what do you make of the of the Pegasus as it is now uh, in this slot in January before all the the big Middle Eastern races come round? Does it fit? Does it work? It's it's been interesting. I mean, obviously, I, look, I was interested in the original concept. I think you know the the, the thing that the, the number one thing that got in the way is. You know, most years when you go to the very top of a division, there are a couple of standouts, maybe one, maybe two or three. But, you know, to fill a field of 12 and have a bunch of people willing to put up a bunch of money that, you know, to compete for that, um, you know, that can be a lot to ask. But I think as far as like where it is on the calendar, as much as people kind of knock some of these races, you know, a horse like Nick's go, there's a good chance we wouldn't see him again. I mean, this race is here and it's, you know, as a fan and a, and a supporter of the sport, I think it's great to see these horses run one or two more times. Um, and obviously, I know you know then the then the, then the Middle Eastern races that are another reason. But you know that doesn't feel the same as as having them run at home, where where a lot of us can go see them. I mean, it's a, not an easy task to go to to go to Saudi or Dubai or whatever. So um, you know, I think it really does have a place. And um, you know, I know it's not the original concept, but uh, and for for a horse like us, I mean, this is a, this is a pretty good proving ground. And, and how do you play your hand Saturday? You must have thought about that a few times. You kind of know what's going to happen with the principals. They're not slow horses. Their horses are going to be right on the sharp end. How do you go about ensuring the best possible position? Well, the great thing is, you know, with, at least with our horse, I don't think we have to do anything to take him out of an element. Um, you know, he's run twice for us. He's run. He, he won once pressing the pace on the outside the whole way, and he won the second time in the slot basically coming from last. Uh, so it's not like he's, you know, he's, he's one type. Um, obviously, Gulfstream, you don't usually want to be 20 lengths back, and I don't think we will be. But I think, you know, look, the goal is you, you save some ground if you can. You try to give yourself every advantage to, to kind of cut into the margins however you can. And I think you kind of acknowledge, look, it, you, you may not get to the top two, but uh, in a race like this, you know, it's, it's 60,000 per fifth or whatever it is. I mean, obviously, we think we have a horse. It's going the right direction. We wouldn't do it if we didn't think we belonged to, you know, with a shot at that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we have uh, Julian booked to ride, and, 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 and he's one of those guys who I think will ride a, a good, patient race. He'll see what's unfolding, and, and I expect we'll be, we'll be running late. 
Justin Nicholson there. Good luck to him and his team with Commandeer in the Pegasus World Cup. And our Pegasus Bulletins this week brought to you in association with our friends at HBA Media, leading international distributors of media rights, including the Breeders' Cup, the Melbourne Cup, Royal Ascot, the Saudi Cup, the Pegasus, and so much more. Well, thanks to Justin and to Pascal and to Harry Fry earlier in the programme. Um, Lee is still with me. And uh, Lee, on a, on a point of what well, we look forward to the Pegasus this weekend, American headlines are going to be dominated by this ongoing uh, court case between Bob Baffert and the New York Racing Association, Naira. Uh, and it's it's getting pretty personal and pretty unpleasant. So sort of motivations are being heavily questioned here as to as to how this has come to pass. Nick, we say that Americans do things bigger and better than everyone else. That's certainly the case, it seems here, in terms of court cases, because day one of Bob Baffert v. Naira and his pre-suspension hearing um, was was fabulous in terms of dramatic content. Um, it almost feels like a soap opera on day one. Henry Greenberg was the, the principal attorney representing Naira. Um, and as Matt Stahl said in his HorseRacingNation.com report, he pulled no punches. And my goodness, he, put, he, he really did pull no punches. Listen to this, Nick. Baffert took a wrecking ball over a two-year period to the integrity of a sport that was so good to him. He sullied and soiled in one year, 365 days, three of the great races in America, the Arkansas Derby, the Kentucky Oaks, and the Kentucky Derby. Um, Really astonishingly strong language. He also said that the only triple crown um, he pulled up in 2021 was in sullying those three races. So strong, strong stuff from Naira's attorney. But then Baffert's attorney, Craig Robertson, hit back and his language was was very much along the lines of this was a personal attack on Bob Baffert from people who didn't like him. The reason we're here, Robertson said, is there's a handful of Naira board members who can answer that question. They have some personal vendetta against Mr. Baffert. Do they not like him? Are they jealous of him? Or perhaps because they own horses that race in New York, they're tired of Mr. Baffert coming to New York and beating them in New York races, and they want to eliminate a competitor. That was day one, Nick. That was just setting the scene for what's to come. This is not going to be pleasant. It is going to be very, very juicy. And it all boils down, I think, to whether it is believed that Baffert and his his own ethics as regards medicating horses are in some way completely at right angles to what Naira believe and what the practices are widespread in the United States, or whether um, Naira simply have a, a, a major personality issue with with Bob Baffer, and I think it'll probably all all boil down to which side of the fence the you know, those that have to make the decisions come down on. Uh, it I, is fascinating. I think that's right, Nick. I think Baffert's team is saying that some of the the transgressions wouldn't have even uh, caused a problem uh, in 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 Naira's, in Naira's jurisdiction. Um, but I think it is also very clear that the the Baffert team will say that this is a personal thing against Bob Baffert and they just have got it in for him. But what an amazing backdrop to uh, a huge week in American racing with the Pegasus World Cup this weekend. Um, and against the backdrop as well of an American racehorse being crowned champion of the world. Absolutely. We don't just chuck this thing together. Now, Lee, have you got a tip for me for this afternoon? Well, Nick, uh, yeah, because of our, our transmission time today, we've probably missed the, the three or four winners I would have tipped by now at Leicester or Lingfield, quite obviously. So instead, Nick, I'll go to the weekend. Um, 
as well as the, the the big races, I'm really looking forward to seeing two novice hurdlers, Balco Coastal of Nicky Henderson's, who runs at Cheltenham, and Hillcrest of Henry Daly's, who goes at Doncaster. Um, I've already backed them both anti-post, first for the Ballymore, Hillcrest for the, the Albert Bartlett. Uh, but in terms of a tip for Saturday, I think Chantry House will be beaten in the Cotswold Chase. I think Ahoy Senor is a really good horse, better than he showed at Kempton. And if he runs in the Cotswold Chase, I think the novice will turn over his senior rivals. Lee, thank you very much. That was Tuesday, January the 25th. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.